Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mouthy Money podcast. Uh, I'm uh, your host, Edmund Greaves, editor of Mouthy Money. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, Sarah Manuel, who is head of professional standards uh, at an organisation called STEP. Uh, Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Thanks very much, Ed. It's good to be here. Um, so Sarah is joining us today to discuss something which I, I have to admit that I've never actually heard of before. But when uh, it was uh, raised to me by Step, um, it really piqued my curiosity. And that is the concept of cowboy wills and cowboy will writers. And, you know, you've heard of cowboy builders and that kind of thing. Um, but cowboy will writers is definitely a new one for me. Now, before we dive into the subject, let's just get to know Sarah a little bit uh, first. So, Sarah, do you want to just tell us about yourself uh, and also a little bit about uh, the organisation that you represent, STEP? Yeah, okay. So I've been working for professional bodies for around 25 years now. Um, I've managed to make a career out of that, working across complaints, um, standard setting, ethical codes, and um, some work around quality insurance internally. So with that in mind, I was able to bring all of that together with my job in STEP. I look after our complaints process, so I see firsthand what people are experiencing. And um wills and regulation is something that's come up as a result of those those complaints. Uh, STEP itself is a global professional body. Um, we've been around for just over 30 years um, and we work across about 90 countries. Um, the majority of our members are solicitors, accountants, financial advisors, will writers and the one thing they all have in common is that they are specialists in trust and estates and as an organisation our, our aim is to make sure that we have qualifications, um, consistent codes across the globe and we bring people together through our networking events and conferences. So just um, uh, th thinking about kind of wills uh, f before we kind of dig into the, the cowboy will side of things, um, uh, as a part of kind of broader personal finance and how somebody thinks about their money, um, wills uh, are actually quite important and people, they're kind of forgotten quite easily, aren't they? But, but if you have kind of... Uh, I mean, it, it's basically if you have anything that were you to, to you know, pass away um, that you wanted to bequeath or give to somebody, it's actually a really important thing, right? Why is it such an important but kind of forgotten aspect of that of that picture? Yeah, I think um, if I I think one of the things is that it's quite often forgotten about because we probably don't like to talk about death. We don't like to think that we're going to die, and. Uh, you know, depending on your life circumstances, you know, thinking about what you're going to do with your assets may not be at the forefront of your mind. I know with myself when I was in my 20s, I didn't really give it any any thought. And it's as you you develop relationships, um, have children, that things like that do become much more important. So the reason for having a will there are many good reasons why you should have one but it ensures um, at basic level that um, on your passing your wife husband partner or other 
relative will inherit um, what you want them to. Um, our intestacy rules at the moment in the country don't recognise cohabitating couples or those who aren't in a civil partnership. So it's particularly important for anybody in that situation. So, for example, if you're cohabitating, your partner doesn't automatically inherit your, you know, your house, your assets, unless you've got a will. Um, you may have married more than once or got children from different partnerships. Again, you might want to make sure that the children from previous relationships are provided for. And a will is a really good way of doing that. Um, and also, you know, when you move on, you might want to leave all your assets to your children, but you might want to make a proviso that your current partner can actually stay in the in that family home until such time as they either move on and remarry or until they themselves pass on yeah so really i mean a really important consideration then like you say it's it's kind of it's difficult it's a difficult thing to think about isn't it because you're grappling almost with your own mortality there you know thinking about about you know what do you do with your stuff when you're gone, basically, uh, to not put too fine a point on it. Now, uh, thinking about uh, your the members of, of STEP who've, who've raised concerns uh, here with, with the process of creating wills. So the, the, the concern that, that's, that's, that's been raised, and like I said earlier, not something I'd ever, ever heard of, and actually quite, it's almost sh quite shocking, is the idea that there are cowboy will writers out there. Uh, can you just ex ex unpack that a little bit for me? And uh, What is a cowboy will yeah. writer? What is going on? <clears throat> so cowboy wills gives it quite a, a dramatic um, name in some ways. But what we're talking about here are people that they're unqualified. They've not had any training in drafting wills. Um, so at best, they could be... Um, simply incompetent or they could be dishonest about that. Um, they, if Because they're not um, qualified and up to date, they may be actually out of date with any knowledge that they do have, such, on, such as tax laws. Um, and then what we've also seen with what we term these cowboy war writers is that once they've started working for you, um, we found that they've hidden costs within the terms and conditions that haven't been brought to the attention of the client and they won't be realised until quite a long time in the future. And we've also seen um, cowboy, oh, these will writers making false claims about what can be achieved through the drafting of a will. So we... Uh, so, so for me, uh, the kind of the, the hidden fees and that kind of thing seems like a it's a bit of a sharp practice, but kind of you know not necessarily uh, unheard of. Obviously, with with kind of regulated financial services products and that kind of thing, there's a lot more consumer protection. We don't have similar levels of protection for wills. I mean, without trying to get too salacious about the topic, um, what are some of the most kind of egregious things that members have come across when it comes to will writing? Like, you know, what are some, some you know, are there horror stories out there, basically? Yeah, and there's, there's a real range of... Um issues that our members have had to deal with. Our members, um, a num good few member, 
of our members actually spend their time fixing these type of wills where things have been drafted poorly. Um, sometimes it can be simple drafting errors which have had unintended consequences. Um, but sometimes um, people have been told that they can put a trust within their will to protect their um, house from being sold um, for care home fees. That's um, considered to be a deliberate deprivation of assets. So that is something that cannot be achieved by putting your um, house into trust through a will. Um, we've also seen examples where people have decided to gift their house during their lifetime in order to avoid paying um, inheritance tax later on. And we've seen cases where the inappropriate tax advice has been given to clients and that's led to um, significant tax bills later on for, for the beneficiaries. In some cases, we're talking about something that could have been a relatively minor upfront cost, but has led to people having to pay fees in um, taxes of up to £2 million. Uh, one particular, it's it's really quite shocking because suddenly where, <laughs> yeah. where are you going to find that money? Most people don't yeah, have yeah, yeah. their £2 million lying around. And I mean, just giving you an example of some of the more detailed cases that um, have come across our, you know, our, our members' attention. We've seen very... Um, companies offering to draft your will either free or very, very cheaply. And these will be for customers who've got very few assets and it's, you know, they need, they've got very simple requirements. They want to say, leave all of their assets to one person. That should be a very straightforward task. And what is buried within the terms and conditions, what's not brought to the client's attention, and they are picking on people's vulnerabilities, is that they are being pressurized into appointing a professional executor to administer this very simple um, estate and within the terms and condition, conditions the professional executor has the um, ability to um, appoint other professionals to assist with that um, that estate administration, which for a very simple case, and in the case I'm specifically talking about, where the total assets came to about £8,000, by the time you've put all those professional fees, um, taken those out of the equation, the amount of money that's left to the beneficiary is very, very minor. I mean, that for me is probably the most shocking. I mean, obviously, having a huge tax bill, that's a, you know, bad enough kind of thing because, you know, you need to get proper financial advice and and, and, and help professional, you know, service help to ensure that you, you don't end up with a huge tax bill. And But, I mean, appointing themselves as executives in the will, I mean, it, it, almost, it almost feels like a criminal enterprise. Uh, it's, it's making it clear to the client. I mean, there are very good reasons why you, why yeah. some clients will want to appoint a professional executor. And there okay. are, are many good reasons for doing that. But it's the clarity of, do you need a professional executor? And mm. what you're then allowing them to do um, when they take on that role. So it's, it's that clarity yeah. that making sure that the client understands that. It's extraordinary. I think so. As I'm kind of alluded to earlier, obviously, financial in financial services is pretty heavily regulated in the UK, particularly where you know with advice and and that kind of thing. But wills are an area where there isn't really. Am I right in saying a huge amount of regulation and and, and kind of uh, rules around you know who can write a will for somebody and this kind of thing. 
Um, what are, what is the situation there? And I mean, do do you think the government needs to do a bit a bit more about this to try and protect people? Yeah. So there's um, it's one of those um, those areas that you assume that the person drafting your will is regulated and is sub and is subject to some form of regulation. And when I speak to uh, members of the public, they're often really surprised to un- to learn that the area is un- unregulated. Many people who do draft wills are regulated. Solicitors will be regulated, um, uh, chartered legal executives, um, and there will be there are also some voluntary regulators, which STEP is a professional body, and um, organisations such as the Professional Will Writers and the Society of Will Writers. And the one thing that you know that is common there is that you've got appropriately trained and qualified individuals. But what you have with um, not having the area regulated consistently is that you do end up with um, practitioners who are unqualified. They are incompetent. um, They're not subject to a code of ethics. They may not be holding professional indemnity insurance. um, And there's no oversight and there's no accountability for those individuals. So that is the risk that comes from just anybody being able to be um, a will writer. So there's nothing stopping me starting up a will writing company tomorrow. I have no expertise, no knowledge, but I could do that and I wouldn't be breaking the law. There are many, many good, it's not about regulation. We're very clear that regulation itself is not the sole answer. What is core is that people are qualified, they're appropriately trained for what they're doing and that there is some form of accountability through continuing professional development, through, you know, holding up, being held up to account through a code of ethics. And as I said, there's many um, reputable professional bodies out there of which step is one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, perhaps a bit of a, a hackneyed illusion, but it's that kind of having that kite mark, isn't it, for consumers? It's 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 people can immediately recognise, okay, the, the this this business is is kind of up to date and up to speed, sort of thing. And and how do you encourage that? And I guess there probably is a you know, there's definitely a role for government to 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 be a guiding hand in that. Um, but 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 yeah, as you say, it's not it's not that that easy. And I, but, think I mean, with that. Sorry, go on. No, 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 please go ahead. One of the difficulties, I think, is, you know, there has been a lot of talk with um, from regulators and the CMA over the last few years around whether will writing should be regulated. And I think one of the issues is that there can be a lack of data. So our members can give us the data that they hold on what they see when they have to put things right. But where there is, you know, a group of will writers who aren't you know, a member of any professional body or they're not regulated. If something goes wrong, there isn't a central body that's necessarily holding that data. So building the case for regulation sometimes can be quite tricky. Mm, Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, I mean, obviously, excuse me, when you... When it comes to to getting a will, and this is the kind of the, the takeaway that we want people to have here... Um, in an ideal world, you do it, you know, you do it when you're healthy and, you know, you've got a clear mind and all that kind of stuff. But, but, you know, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work like that. People, people can, can be diagnosed with illnesses and that kind of thing. They realize that's when they have to write a will and people can be quite vulnerable sorry, in that position. You. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. 
losing that's okay um sorry (laughs) yeah no well it's just obviously people people can be quite you know vulnerable in vulnerable position when it comes to 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 needing a will and realizing that they have to have a will written up when it uh, so when it comes to you know if somebody's looking to get a will written um are, are there red flags to look out for from these kind of businesses are there things that that people can do to ensure that that you know whoever helps them write a will is 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 you know going to going to do a good job basically absolutely i mean one of the first things that i always say to people is consider it in the same way as you would if you were getting a new bathroom fitted, having a plumber around. Um, You always, you know, get a range of quotes. Make sure that you're comfortable with and understand what it is that you're being quoted for. And, you know, make sure that you're comfortable with the person who's going to be working for you. So against that that proviso of having a range of quotes, um, always, you know, beware of any false promises that may be um, appearing advertising. If something looks too good to tr- be true, it probably is. So always look behind the facts of a headline. Um, you know, question why a will is very cheap. You know, if someone's offering to do a will for £10, have a question about that. Um, one of the things that we do see is that, oh, this is going to be a lot cheaper than going to a recognised professional. Chances are that isn't probably the case. So it's always worth checking the costs that are going to be involved. Look that to check that your will writer has got experience. That have they got any qualifications? Do they hold insurance? That is really important. And always check that small print for any of those hidden fees. And it's it's really impo- you know easy to actually find a qualified professional. Step has um, a search function on its website, a member directory, so you can look for a will writer in your area and um, a type of um, will drafter that will meet your particular needs. Brilliant. Um, I think ultimately it's so it's so tricky, isn't it, when it's not like a, like financial advice or something like that, where you have you know specific FCA registration and, and that kind of thing, are very clear signals for for people for people to follow. But I think, as you say, yeah, it's it's do your due diligence like you would with any kind of service you you uh, you use. Um, make sure that it's not too good to be true. Um, the one I know the one thing that we've written about in the past is something like Free Wills Month. I mean, I don't know if you had any view, any views or, views on that in particular, but that could be quite a good way to kind of find uh, you know solicitors and things who can who can help. Um, yeah. I mean, free wills month, it's a really good idea in terms of making sure that people that don't have a will and, um, you know, actually do make provisions for their for their life. The people that offer free wills during free wills month are usually vetted by the charities. They will be qualified. They will be experienced and they will be doing that as a, you know, for simple wills. They're unlikely to be offering really complex situations as part of the free wills month. But yeah, it's a good idea. Take advantage of it, look into it and see if it's for you. I think that's a really important takeaway as well, uh, just before we kind of finish off here. Um, the, the uh, uh, writing, kind of, I mean, if you've got kind of a simple situation, you know, where perhaps, uh, you know, you don't have a huge amount that, that you, you know, to, to give away or, or anything like that. But but in, as people kind of get older and they own more, you know, things and, and they have bigger families and this kind of thing, things do get really complicated. So, 
yeah, anybody who's got kind of a complicated situation like that, it is a really good idea to seek, you know, somebody who's who's properly professionally qualified um, and, uh, and and ensure that you don't end up with that kind of big tax bill, which is kind of, you know, the, the, the main thing, but then also the other kind of things that we've, we've, we've spoken about, which is, uh, you know, basically dodgy practitioners. And having a will just, it just provides clarity for everybody after you've gone. Um, the, you know, if you're open and honest with your beneficiaries about what you're leaving and who you're leaving it to, it's really good to talk. It, you know, it will prevent any family disharmony where possible. And, you know, it will just help people in the long run and takes away some of the stress that might arise from having to deal. The last thing people want to do is deal with a will that's been drafted poorly at the time when, you know, they're going through a period of bereavement. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. It's a really tough topic. So thank you for, for taking us through that. I think um, there's there's hopefully some really useful stuff for, for listeners to take take away there. Um, you've been listening to the, the Maddy Money podcast. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Ed. It's been good to speak to you uh, this afternoon. Lovely. Uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll uh, see you all again soon. Thank you very much.